From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 299. Today's show is brought to you by Pingdom, Linode, Fully, and Uni Pizza Ovens. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Jason Snell. Hello, Mike Hurley. We're at the end of the 200s now. I know. Can you imagine it? Who would have thought this day would have come? Hmm. Maybe everybody. Hashtag Snell Talk question this week comes from Alex. We're a very podcast-focused episode today. Lots of podcast talk. So I thought I'd have a podcast-related Snell Talk. And Alex asks, how do you feel about people referring to either an episode of a podcast or the podcast itself as a, quote, pod? Hmm. How do you feel about pod? Um... It's not a phrase I use. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to be one of those people who tells you know, people, people what words to use. I, right. I don't no, I don't want to be one of those people who's like, no, I hear another person call it a pod again. You know <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I don't know who that person was, <laughs> okay. but they're they're very angry. Mm-hmm. Uh and also I don't know what. So uh to do what you like, call it what you like, call it whatever. Um it's pretty arbitrary. I think calling an episode of the podcast a podcast is also confusing, but I do that all the time, right? I got to edit the podcast. Do I mean the episode? I mean, the right way to do it is there's podcasts and there are episodes. You could also say we call this a show a lot, yeah. which is not even like show podcast. And episodes. That's, and what, episode. that's what I go with. Yeah. yeah. If you want to call it a pod, whatever, that's, you know, some, some sometimes I say it as a joke. I'll, you know, cast in the pods and all of that. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's fine. I I feel like people should say what they want, but it's not a word that I'm going to use. My friend and co-host Tom Gerhardt on the Thoroughly Considered podcast calls the podcast the P-Cast. I don't like that (laughs) at all. That's what he does. Mm. Uh, Thank you to Alex for that. Whatever. You you can't tell him what to do, but you know. I hope you enjoyed this uh, Snell Talk uh, seg in the middle of this pod on the Mm. on the pod. Mm-hmm. on the waves thank you to uh, Alex for sending in that question you can send out a tweet with the hashtag Snell Talk and it may be included for a future episode we have a big media episode today oh, yeah. uh, where there's a bunch of Apple TV Plus related news we're huh. going to talk about Spotify and Joe Rogan and podcasting in general and we have a mic at the movies at the end yeah. for Ferris Bueller so, so we're, we're rounding out the 200s in style Jason Snell that's right we got a, we have a like a list of things we have to talk about before we get to 300 I guess mm-hmm. and so we're going to pack it all in here I wanted to sum it up especially because because of all the Apple TV Plus news upstream's going to be quite long today and I think some people sometimes skip upstream but I think they shouldn't today because it's mostly Apple focused they should never it's a lot yeah i agree that people should never skip upstream um but but we give you the option yeah that's why we put the chat some people love it it's up to you but there's a lot of apple tv plus news today so that's why i thought i'd mention it for the record episode 199 Uh we took a deep dive into apple's forthcoming video service and we made predictions about what it will cost and how their content purchases would roll out Plus, Google gets back into podcasting. I think this is the time before Holy the time moly. where they most recently got back into podcasting. Why does that happen every time? Why does on the 99 episode, both Apple does a bunch of stuff in TV and then some company gets into gets deeper into podcasting? What happened on episode 99, Jason? Oh, let's let's consult the sacred scrolls <laughs> of antiquity. It was a similar uh, thing. Episode ninety nine. I got a new mechanical keyboard. Okay, we so. talked about writing. Okay, and Scrivener. Uh-huh. And oh, the iPad keyboard that doesn't turn the iPad into a laptop. Fascinating. Okay. And uh, we talked about Comic Con apparently. So mm. that's interesting. All right. So yeah, well, yeah, we've evolved. 
We, that one's less uh, less parallels. It is episode 300 next week. Uh, we have a very upgrade topic planned, uh, which we're very that Jason came up with. Both very mm-hmm. excited about that. Yeah, it's one of my dumb ideas. Yeah. As Jason is wont to do. They're not dumb. They are exciting and weird and interesting. It's a very mm-hmm. upgrade topic. But also we wanted to do uh, an extended Ask Upgrade of next week. Kind of get some meta questions. You know, it's a, it's a it's about 100 episodes since we've done this. So let's talk about the show a little bit. So if you have any questions about Upgrade itself um, uh, or, you know, kind of, I guess, especially about podcasting again, if there's stuff that you want to know, hear me and Jason talk about. Uh, but mostly like about the show, you have questions about that, then just send them in. You could either tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or if you're in the Relay FM members Discord, just use the question mark AskUpgrade in the message that you send and they will all be uh, included in a spreadsheet that we collect to choose from. So, so that's that. Jason, before we leave follow-up today... I yes. wanted to to look at maybe some follow forward. I don't know. We're a month away from WWDC now, so in like four episodes' time or something, will be the WWDC episode, which right. is you know it's both exciting and interesting. But that was kind of what I wanted to bring up. I realized today it's kind of around this time that I would be making lots of plans, you know, and sure. I don't really have any to make. Um, nor do I even really know how I'm going to handle the week. Like it's going to be very different. Like I feel like I need to have a plan for how to handle everything that I don't currently have. And I just kind of wanted to check in with you to see if you've had any thoughts. Like, you know, you're, we're a month away. How are you feeling about the upcoming WWDC? Do you even remember it's happening? Uh, mm, well, I don't. <laughs> that's that's the funny thing is I'm not really thinking about it, partly uh. because it is so far away now. I think what's going to happen is next week I'm going to feel weird about the fact that it's not happening because that's been traditionally when it's happened the last Mm -hmm. few years is first week in june so that's going to feel a little bit strange the other thing going into all this is that you know i i am physically present at almost every apple event and this is weird because you know i have nothing i I don't know what i'm gonna do like it it's so different and outside of my realm of experience we have to actually figure out how we're going to cover it and how we want to do that because we're all just sitting in our our chairs at home watching Mm -hmm. this so um i'm you know i'm also trying to temper my enthusiasm a little bit given that we had uh you know we we have them working on all sorts of other things, other projects. They just released the iOS version that's got the COVID-19 tracing mm-hmm. API in it and things like that. So there's a lot of other stuff going on and, and that makes it uh, feel different. And so I, I don't know. I, I'm not super excited about it yet, but it does feel like the we we were turning to that time. Um, and, you know, I, I notice everybody's getting out in front of it with their uh, everybody had on their calendar for late May to start doing their wish lists stories, uh, which is funny because we've got a month to do them. But people are like, well, nope, I'm doing it now. I'm doing it in May. So that that is nothing puts you in the spirit of WWDC than everybody posting their wish lists on their blogs. So, you know, I'm going to I'm going to get there. You mentioned 13.5. It's out now. Um, obviously, the biggest thing that iOS 13.5 included was the contact tracing API that uh, health authorities could take advantage of. Um, it's not been met with great uh, aplomb yet. There's uh, been f- 22 countries are on board. Only a small handful of them are actually publicly known. It has not been stated which countries in the complete like list are on board. 
Uh, I think Germany is one of them. Um, there's, there was a small list. I'll put a link in the show notes. And I see that you've put in a note that you saw Switzerland had a uh, a test go out, right? Yeah, that apparently they're they're Switzerland is working using the API, and somebody tweeted us earlier today saying that it's a test, but they're they're actually on the case of using the Google Apple API. Right. Yeah. Germany, Switzerland, Latvia, and Estonia are currently the countries that are named to have actually. This came from a report from Reuters. They're the only countries that have publicly said that they're doing it. Uh, and there are four states in the U.S. that are on board. More states in America have actively stated they will not adopt it, which is 17, uh, than they're currently stating to adopt. There's still a lot up in the air about this, and I still stand kind of firm in my thinking that a lot of decisions will be changed, right? Like a lot of decisions that seem to have been made or have been made will be changed. A lot of countries are not ready with an application like my own, right? Like super late. Right. Um, so that might be one reason why there hasn't been a ton of uptake yet. And I also think a lot of countries are going to wait until the second like movement of this, right? Where it's, where it's even more just built into the system as opposed to you needing to adopt the API into your application. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's slow going. Um, it's an incredibly political issue. Uh, but hopefully we'll see... I think I still stand in my thinking on this and hopefully a lot of countries will, will still adopt this technology because it's available to them and it's probably a better option than them doing it themselves. Yep. So that's that. Apple is apparently, according to a report in Bloomberg from Lucas Shaw and Mark Gurman, looking to buy and have apparently already made some deals to get back catalog content for Apple TV+. Plus, According to the report, Apple wants to buy up content to increase the catalog of their service for probably some very obvious reasons right now that stuff isn't being made. Uh, and they have not only been taking pitches from studios, but according to this report, have done some deals. We don't have any details about what they've bought or who they're buying it from yet, but this is an interesting move. Obviously, there is a halt on TV production right now, which would be a clear indicator as to why you might want to give more to your customers right if you can't make content get the content that exists there's there's the pipeline right where there are things that have been shot that are in in uh post-production and we've talked about how that's slower than usual because people are at home but there is a pipeline for it there is yep and then and then there's like this gap of no live action stuff being shot. Mm-hmm. And and what's really funny is behind that, there is writing. There is a lot of writing going on because the writing has continued during this period of everybody being locked down, but the shooting hasn't. And the shooting is going to come back now, but there's going to be a delay. There's going to be a gap. And it's not going to be the stuff that comes out in the next four months, right? Three months. It's going to be the stuff that comes out right after that. Because the stuff that's going to come out in the next few months was already shot. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's what everybody, I think, who's involved in scripted content is is fearing, is if you don't have a lot of it, especially like Apple, um, if you're Netflix, you could probably just rearrange the, the launch dates a little bit and stretch things out and make everything a little bit thinner and get through it. But if you're Apple, you may find yourself with um, some unfortunate shortfalls. And it's... And uh, an even more of an issue for Apple than maybe some of their competitors because later on this year, they have to convince people to start paying for this. Because 
Apparently, mm-hmm. according to this Bloomberg report, 10 million people have signed up with 5 million actively using the service. And I wonder how many of those 5 million are not paying any money for it right now. I reckon pretty much all of them. And if Apple don't have content and you would expect that they were hoping to say in November, hey, season two of For All Mankind and The Morning Show, they're starting. But that's probably not going to happen, right? I can't imagine that they have enough there or will have enough there to put those shows into put yeah. in front And of even people. if they do, my understanding is that they were in the midst of shooting For All Mankind and I think maybe Morning Show, I don't even know. I so even so if they both. do, they probably are going to have to do something like do part one of season two and, yep. and do like five episodes and then stop. Mm-hmm. And, and then you'll have the good. second half. And that's right. not great either. Because you've, you know, it's like, again, like 10 million doesn't even seem, it doesn't seem like a huge amount of people for what Apple have available to them. And especially if only 5 million. I mean, I also wonder actively using means like I haven't watched an Apple TV plus show in a while, but I will like I'm keeping it. And I would have, I would be paying for it now because there's content that I will want. There's stuff on my list. Like I still want to see Mythic Quest, especially because everyone's been really praising the quarantine episode. Like right. I've seen unilateral praise for that. So I want to watch the whole show and the quarantine like Zoom episode that they did. Uh, what? Well, uh, sorry, group FaceTime. I'm sure I can't imagine it was actually Zoom that they were using, but we'll see. I mean, I don't know. Um, but you've got to assume that Apple are feeling a pressure of getting people to sign up for this service. Like, they do not want that to go away. They want to continue offering something which is of use. And back catalog content seems like a good option. They didn't do it before, I think, for reasons just like, no, we want to just be HBO. We build prestige television of our own, right? But they didn't want to do the back catalog stuff. But now, right? what's available now? This is this is the question, right? Like, like, if they would have started out, maybe they could have got some interesting stuff, right? Maybe they could have put in the bid for Seinfeld or whatever, right? But I feel like so, at this point, most of the bingeable, popular shows they're tied up somewhere. Look, there's a there's a bigger issue here. Um, I talked about this a little bit on um, TV Talk Machine last week. It's actually the last episode of the current iteration of TV Talk Machine because Tim Goodman, who was my co-host for that is a TV critic and he retired from being a TV critic and he's doing Mm -hmm. something else now and doesn't want to talk about TV, which I totally understand, but it makes it hard to do a TV podcast (laughs) when he doesn't want to talk about TV. It's hard. Yeah, it's like if you were like, you know what, forget it. I'm moving to Microsoft. Be like, well, that's going to be a problem. No no more computer talk. Let's not talk about computer technology Abacuses and notebooks only. Yeah. So, well, I mean, the notebook addict, it's right there. Anyway. I could do it with you. Anytime. the, uh, The point I made in that, and it was... I, I feel like Apple needs to decide, really decide if it's in or if it's out. And it has it has played it. I know they're spending billions of dollars on content and they did this big launch, but Apple, I think, is still hedging on whether it really wants to do this or not. If it really wants to be a content provider or if it just wants to be an ecosystem and a kind of channel provider for other people's content. Mm. I don't know if Apple... Apple has been splitting the difference on that. And I think the challenge is they may need to decide what they want to be. I mean, they are an ecosystem and a channel provider because of who they are. But do they also want to be this other thing? And Amazon has taken that path, although Amazon's product is different. But it's similar in that it's not a pure product that's just like Netflix, right? Amazon is prime and it's a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, And they've got a catalog and they've got originals. Apple 
it similarly has an ecosystem and uh, the TV app works whether you have Apple TV Plus or not. And they're, they've given the, the gifts of Apple TV to a bunch of people who buy their products. And who knows, maybe that will continue, especially given the pandemic. Who oh, knows? that's an interesting point. Right? right? That's like, oh, we're not going to make the money. What we could do is give them another year G- and give then, them another gift yeah that's a really good point jason i hadn't thought for six that. months or a year or whatever because they could... then the money won't go down on the earnings reports because they'll continue doing the accounting for it exactly and they can oh, say something about so how smart. with the with production issues and the pandemic they'll extend it but it doesn't change this ba- this basic point which is no they wouldn't say that they would say something like we want to continue giving everybody good content at home, right? They'll spin it that yeah, way. Yeah, we want to give them gifts and thank them because it's very important. But in, the truth is that the, it's the pandemic. and the, So here's the thing. Apple could have bought the catalog stuff. They didn't. They're like, well, we don't really want to do that. you know. And their, their approach to content has been more like HBO. We want to be HBO. It's just a, a few things, but they're curated and they're very nice. But HBO had a catalog. HBO had a huge catalog of movies and had built a big back catalog of originals. And Apple has none of that. And they, they so they deferred. They deferred. Now they're apparently doing this, uh, according to this report, to buy original or to buy uh, catalog content. It's going to be weird. Like, what does it mean? What are they? Um, and then the big problem I see is the TV app. Um, and everybody's got their favorite thing that they hate about the TV app. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how when you use the TV app, I know that Apple gives itself some extra promotional space. But the bottom line is when you go to the TV app, the Apple TV plus service is like a peer to every other streaming service. And, and to get to Apple TV plus content, you can like, I use my Apple TV and I've got a Netflix app and a Hulu app and an Amazon app. And I know that you can get some of that stuff through the TV app, but a lot of it, you can't Um, Netflix like is not, doesn't play ball with that so i use the apps i actually am one of those people where the future of tv it turned out it was apps sort of um but but there's no apple tv plus app which means that the one service that requires me to open an app and then go find it is apple tv plus it's the platform owner and it's and and on one level, I want to applaud Apple for saying, you know, we are a, a conduit to all services and we're not going to overly favor our service. And yet on another level, it's like, guys, if you're serious about this, there should be an Apple TV Plus app at the top of the screen, not an Apple TV app, TV Plus service app that takes you directly to a, a place that is completely devoted to that. And the top level of the TV app isn't. And it's and, and I think it's all of a piece, which is they can't decide are they the ecosystem? Is this just a little fun add-on and they're not really trying to compete, in which case they're spending billions of dollars on a little kind of fun add-on? Or are they really trying to massively grow the subscriber base, the paying subscriber base of Apple TV Plus? And I don't think this is an interesting indicator, um, the idea that they might be buying other people's reruns, other people's old movies, but it will... I think the sign that this actually happens is a purchase. I think we'll know if Apple is really in on this if they buy something. And they don't it doesn't necessarily mean that they need to buy CBS Viacom, although they could, or Sony Entertainment if it's for sale, or something else, a movie studio or something like that, a small movie studio. But I think that and it doesn't mean that if they don't do that they're not they're not in on this, but I think that that would be the tr- clearest sign that they're in on it is a realization that they need to step up their library and their original game a lot. And maybe it's not the right decision. Maybe the right decision for Apple is to back off 
or just have maybe they want the middle ground maybe they want to be present but not really compete with the others i don't know i i bet you that the people they hired to work on apple tv plus all over the world not just in la but all over the world did not get hired to be a you know a loss leader adjunct to a tv app streaming strategy i'm not sure the billions of dollars that they're spending on content and the deals they're making with stars uh are can withstand that in the long run so it's a weird for me i I still am in this place where i think apple strategy here is very strange where like if you're going to spend the money it's almost like if you're going to spend the money you got to spend lots more money otherwise why are you spending the money at all they have been spending lots and lots of more money, though, right? Like, I, I, th- I think that this segment has proved that they keep doing more, 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 signing more people, more content deals, more deals. But they're, but they're up against Netflix, uh, HBO Now, Peacock is coming, uh, Amazon Prime. Like, you can tick off all of the media giants that are mm. also doing this. And I don't, even though I know Apple is spending billions of dollars in making deals, but... Are they really competing? You look at the numbers that have been reported for Apple TV Plus, like they're giving it away and they don't they they don't have that many people signed up and I think they have not yet had the show. The the breakout show, right? They haven't had it. And I still believe it's possible for them to do it because they're spending the money, right? Like again, I, I agree with it, it's not as much as other but they're not spending nothing. And and I think for them What it looks like they've been doing over the last six to eight months is getting first look deals in with everybody, right? So there is the possibility that they are getting ready to spend a ton of money, but they're waiting for the scripts, but they're trying to lock people down. I don't know. But I think that right now their plan has completely fallen over. Well, because. it's yes. If if you're in this super, you know, low volume but high quality, and it's a nice add-on, and we're going to build, and we're going to build a catalog, and then you have a content shortfall like this, it does make things harder. There, there's no doubt about it because you don't, they don't have the bench that Netflix has. Where like you know, Netflix has how many originals does Netflix? release in an average week it's a ridiculous number it's very easy for netflix to look at what it's planning and they've said like it's not going to be a problem for us and you know it really isn't because it's like an accordion or something you can just take the summer and just go and now it goes to the end of the year right they can Mm -hmm. just do that um apple can't do that right apple is gonna hit a gap here and uh it's gonna be as you pointed out exactly the wrong time (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i'd be fascinated to see what they've bought like i'm really intrigued to see if if they've done these deals that bloomberg is reporting that they've done what is it like i'm really keen to see like what have they bought that they think is worthwhile like is it tv is it movies where's it coming from yeah my guess my guess is movies probably easier to get movies than tv right and and it gives you that HBO vibe. I do believe that it, the old HBO, which is going away now sort of with the HBO Max thing, that the old HBO approach is kind of Apple's guiding star, that they want to be high quality, lower volume, but talked about and prestigious. And HBO also had a movie library. So it's like you throw that in and there are a bunch of movies that you can get. And you can imagine them integrating that into their apps and stuff where 
Um, if you go to a movie or search for a movie or even featured in their movies interface when you're looking to rent a movie and they've got the ones that are just free, like what Amazon does with Prime, where there are there are movies you can rent and buy and there are also movies that are just free and you can browse those. So it, that would be my guess. My other theory that I had back when we were 100 episodes ago when we were debating this is they could do a thing where it's like things that are thematically linked to their originals. So, you know, can you get... Uh, I don't know, uh, West Wing and pair it with the morning show or uh, or get Battlestar Galactica and pair it with For All Mankind because they're from, you know, they're, they're kind of thematically similar or they share some connective tissue of some sort. But um, my guess is that it's it, it's movies. Although, again, I will say, I, I think that they should just seriously consider buying <laughs> something that, that I know it you would be like very dramatic. A like CBS, like right, CBS okay. Viacom, yeah. Like or Viacom CBS, I guess is what they are, because then they get they get Comedy Central and they get MTV and they get, um, and they oh. get CBS and they get all the the Star Trek stuff and they get the Good Wife and the Good Fight and all that. They get all the all your NCISs and CSIs. <laughs> I like the, the 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 good extended universe, right? They get the one. That yep. get. you get live football. You get. I mean, they you also get TV stations that they don't want, but where times are weird, right? Maybe you just. I mean, actually, there's a precedence with with Fox, right? Which Disney is Fox, yeah. They just buy what they want and spin. They off could the also rest. buy buy all the pieces and leave the broadcast stations yeah. um, just sitting out there, and the news division, and just they, they just sit out there, and they're part of some other company that is not owned by Apple. That I think they could do that. I don't think they will, but I think they could. And it, it just it feels to me like if they really want to go all in on this, that's what they need to do. And 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 they they don't seem to want to go all in on this. I, I'm not saying that they need to. I'm saying that they could, and they seem to have chosen not to. Firecom, don't they have a bunch of music too? Or are they just TV? I don't know. I don't know. That's a weird business. That whole story about them getting segmented off of CBS and then put back in, uh, who knows? Yeah, super weird. But that, I mean, you've, you've mentioned Viacom CBS on this show a bunch of times. It's like, that's probably the one. Right. Well, it's the biggest one that's kind of freestanding and yep. is not owned, and none of the other big players can buy it because of you know of regulations. There's no way they would be allowed to buy it. Right. Comcast, AT and T, they can't come in and be like, "We'll have that one too." Or Disney. Disney. Right. They. They. Yeah. They can't. Apple did buy something. It's a movie by Tom Hanks. It's called Greyhound. Yeah. It's a World War II battleship drama written by and starring. Fill Tom in the Hanks. pipe. Fill in the pipe. It yeah. was supposed to be released on Father's Day in the theaters, and uh, it was decided that it wouldn't be, and that it then got shopped around, and Apple put up the $70 million needed to get 15 years worth of rights. This is from Sony, um, and it now is the first Tom Hanks movie to debut on streaming. Yeah, it's think about it this way, $70 million reportedly for this. That's basically Apple saying, well... Do you think you're going to get 70 million at the box office for this movie in a normal world? And what do you think you're going to get now? Which is nothing. Mm-hmm. And Sony wants to sell it because Sony doesn't have room in its schedule for it. And they go to Tom Hanks and Tom Hanks is like, all right, we'll do it. And it's, it's a funny world because this is probably more money for everybody involved in this movie than they would have gotten in the normal world, I think, when it, if it got released. Mm-hmm. But fewer people will see it, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, also, it's Oscar eligible because it had a scheduled release date, but it oh, didn't get released. Yeah, so that it's, makes it's it Oscar desirable bait too. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you know what? Uh, Tom Hanks World War II movie. Um, I didn't even know this movie existed, and I I will watch this movie. I think that I think this sounds great. I love Tom Hanks, and he has uh, made some very. I mean, he wrote this. He cares very much about certain subjects and pours his heart into them. You saw it with. Uh, from the Earth to the Moon, and with uh, the Steven Spielberg World War II series, uh, what the Pacific he produced that, um, so, and Band of Brothers, which was right on the heels of Saving Private Ryan. I mean, there's you know this is a passion project for him that also I I think is right in his wheelhouse. So I'm looking forward to seeing it, and I guess I'll watch it on Apple TV Plus, which is uh, that's that's good. There's a lot of this going on right now. I think the question is, is this the new world or is this just contingency planning because of the old? world ending and we don't know yet because we don't really know what theatrical is going to look like in the future is is there stuff like this that's not tied to a franchise and isn't an enormous budget movie was already kind of on its last legs in movie theaters and you know even when movie theaters come back this stuff may not do that especially when you've got streamers who are really hungry for content and the people who are more likely to watch streaming are probably demographically a better match for these kind of movies because they're a little bit older um and they're not going to movie theaters as much. So that that's, for me, is the big question is, I'm not sure whether this is the new way things are going to be or if it's just a weird bump because of the situation we're in right now. And my gut says yes and no to that. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say a little, my, my gut says a little bit of both, right? Yeah. <laughs> like this isn't exactly how it will be, but it'll be more like this than it was before. <laughs> also as well, like, I mean, it's to be weird, but like Tom Hanks is a good person to have right now because the whole world loves him even more. Yeah, exactly. Also, he already had the coronavirus, exactly so he's invulnerable. I mean. He can oh, shoot dear. any movie now, right oh, now, Jason. anywhere. Oh, God, Jason. Uh, but like, genuine, like he is in the zeitgeist again, even more than before, because sure. he is very newsworthy at the moment. And I think everyone has remembered how much they love Tom Hanks, except for Max Temkin. He doesn't like Tom Hanks, I found out a few weeks ago. But yeah, everybody but Max else is loves a monster. Him. I mean, yes. That's fine. Everybody else loves Tom Hanks. So like it's you know, but I actually I can't wait to see this movie because Tom Hanks is one of my favorite actors. Like I, I think he's yep. amazing. I love him and everything. So I will watch this. I would not have gone to the cinema to see this movie though. So this might be a bit of a trolls thing for them, right? Where it's like, oh, lots of people have seen this movie because it's available to them. I wonder how Apple's going to market this, if at all. That's what I'm interested about. Like, am I going to get an email from Apple telling me to activate my TV Plus subscription to watch Greyhound? Right? Like, maybe. Uh, they, Apple also have not yet re- uh, announced a release date for this movie. Um, but you would expect, I mean, let's be real, Father's Day was a very good weekend for that movie to open. And maybe they just go for yeah. that, right? Like I, that's my guess is that it will be a Father's Day release. Yeah. They'll just literally release it at the same time. Mm-hmm. But they already have that Father's Day thing, um, movie documentary about dads. Which oh, who is it? <laughs> oh boy, this? do you remember that? I it don't was know. Um... yeah. Oh, here it is. I found it. Dads, June nineteenth. It's oh, it's it's uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yep, that's it. That's Ron it. Howard is who you were thinking of, who yep. worked with Tom Hanks. On Apollo 13, see, it's all connected. Um, and there, yes, Dads, That's June it. 21st. Mm-hmm. You know, that Central Park series is coming this week. The uh, Bob's Burgers. Nice. It's this week. Yeah, we're going to have to do an Apple TV content update pretty soon because they are rolling out a bunch of new stuff. Oh, they also, uh, this, is a, this is really weird. This one's weird. Apple TV Plus is in early development of a series about Gorka, Gorka Media. Mm-hmm. 
uh, ex-staffers Max Reed and Cord Jefferson. By the way, Cord Jefferson is an amazing name. But anyway, I, I noticed that. Yeah, he worked like, on The Good Place. Name. Oh, did they? Fantastic. It was uh, it's, it's Good Place and and Watchmen, I think. Yes, Cord wow. Jefferson okay. worked on both of those. Well, Cord, he, he's, he's yes, Walker thumbs up before. to Cord. Uh, they're developing scripts about the controversial media company. I'm going to give a quote from Joe Pompeo at Vanity Fair. Jefferson and Reed declined to comment so details are scant, but the series was described to me as a dramedy about Gorka's ascent and its impact on the media landscape as it transformed from an insidery gossip blog into a major force in the type of journalism that skewers celebrities and the powerful. Interesting. I wonder if they'll do an iPhone 4 episode. Ha! Like seriously? Can you? Yeah, but can you imagine that? Can you imagine Apple paying money to produce an episode that talks about finding an iPhone four in a bar and Steve Jobs' secret police <laughs> call? Right, like all of that. I, I would love that. They won't do it. I'd love it. This felt to <laughs> me like Apple trying to find that typical Netflix-like show. Like they're also doing a show about WeWork, right? Like they they bought a podcast rights to a podcast. I think they want some of that based on real events style. That that type of like very memey content gets people talking. They also just signed a deal this week with the creators of the I think this was the HBO docuseries McMillions, which is about McDonald's, for a four part docuseries. Their only details are that the series is about a quote unbelievable true story of one of the largest scams in government history. So, like, it seems like they're going for some content which they don't currently have, but will. And it's a lot of this, like, scandalous real-world stuff that we're making into a drama. Which I don't know what that makes yep. me think of, but it reminds me of a lot of stuff that I see on Netflix. Well, and there's there's a, you know, you, you can't make one kind of show. And no, everybody has shouldn't. learned this, right? Like, you can't just make a prestige drama. You also need to make comedies and you need to make docu-series and you need to make things that appeal to different demographic groups. And all of those all of those things are going on because, um, you know, like Tiger King and The Last Dance now, like, these mm-hmm. are long-form documentaries that are buzzworthy during everybody being locked down. And, like, I, I've said this before, but, like, can you imagine saying in the future everybody will be talking about 10 hour long documentaries that they watch at home. And you're like, that's never going to (laughs) happen. Nobody can sit still for like a 90 minute documentary, let alone 10 hours. And they're going to sit at home when they have all sorts of other choices. And they're just going to watch a a 10 hour documentary. I don't care whether that's about some guy who uh, maybe, (laughs) maybe murdered tigers or uh, some uh, other guy, uh, you know, who won a bunch of championships in Chicago. Uh, Whatever, nobody's going to do that. And the fact is, they are. So uh, you got to cover all the bases. You got to have your, you got to have your snarky based on a true story series, and you got to have your prestige drama, and you got to have your docu series, and you got to have your kid stuff. And like, and and that is a game that Apple is, uh, Apple is playing, and the animated right, Apple is playing that game. So that's something. HBO Max launches this week uh, in the US, which I'm jealous about. I would like that content. But something that I thought would be interesting, I just wanted to note, is that they announced that they're going to be releasing the Snyder Cut of Justice League. In case you don't yeah. know what this means, so Zack Snyder um, had to depart the movie production of Justice League because of a family tragedy. So Joss mm-hmm. Whedon stepped in to finish it. The movie came out, it wasn't good, and everybody blamed Joss Whedon. Uh, an online campaign began to hashtag release the Snyder Cut, 
some positive, mostly toxic, as these yep. t- things tend to go. So HBO Max are allowing and are giving the See, like everything back to Zack Snyder to recut the movie, edit the movie. I just want to be clear here. The one of the reasons that the, that a lot of us rolled our eyes at the release the Snyder Cut people is because there was this conspiracy theory that there was this amazing Zack Snyder version mm-hmm. of Justice League and, and it was the movie that the studio didn't want you to see. And the truth is, he left in the middle of production. They were yeah. going to do reshoots, but there was also the original stuff. He did do an early cut that was like four hours long, but then he cut. They wanted a shorter movie, but like it wasn't like the real movie was sitting in a vault, and then they conspired to take the movie away from him and bring in Joss Whedon. It was much more like they were working on the typical back and forth, and then uh, Zack Snyder and his wife uh, lost a child, and they had to go do that, uh, deal with their personal tragedy. Uh, they brought in Joss Whedon, who did the Avengers to, uh, you know, finish the movie and people didn't like it. So they're like, boy, I hear that, that Zack Snyder had this original thing that, that might be something, but, but what they're going to need to do is spend 20 or $30 million making it happen. So there was nothing releasing the Snyder cut is essentially finishing the Snyder cut, but, but Warner brothers and HBO max, like, they're they're desperate for more HBO Max content. So we live in a world where we've got something that's already mostly made, or mostly shot anyway, that they can throw some money to out of their HBO Max development budget. Um, they get some good publicity for it. They've got this kind of grassroots group of people who are who are convinced that this is going to be great. Um, and they've got a tentpole kind of thing that they can launch when it comes out. And in fact, they're already talking about how they're maybe not going to release this as a movie, but as a mini series. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine like the marketing wheels are already turning. So it's an interesting story. I think it's a one of a kind series of events that led to it happening. But um, it is, a, I think, a very canny case of Warner Brothers and HBO Max saying um, we could get a lot out of giving. 20 or 30 million to Zack Snyder to finish this and release it as an HBO Max exclusive. So they're going to do it. I'm not sure about the precedent that this could set. And, and I don't know how I feel about it. Like, oh you man, can, you can take two <laughs> views on it. One is like big company listening to its fans. The other is you make enough noise and you'll get what you want. I don't yeah, like this either. is the so I my favorite TV show of all time from when I was a kid was uh, the original Star Trek, and of course it got saved twice by uh, letter writing campaigns and Save Our Show campaigns. It was the original Save Our Show campaign, and I'm very glad that Star Trek exists. That said, <laughs> <laughs> every show that ever gets canceled has a Save Our Show campaign now, mm-hmm. and you know occasionally they succeed, and that's great. But now that we have to deal with all of them. Yes. And that's annoying. And so, yes, there's going to be every time a director leaves a movie, I can't wait for the all the Josh Trank fans out there to say, Fantastic Four, release the Trank cut, right? They're probably <laughs> already out there, aren't they? Right? Because he, he had to change that movie and they brought in somebody like, that's going to just happen again and again. Why don't we do a Dumbledore Truthers thing where everybody yeah. starts with like a hashtag that's, that release they want the a CGI... Cup. A CGI, a version. We, they get Michael Gambon back and have him replace the original Dumbledore mm. in the early movies, so that there's continuity. Why don't we do that? Like start mm-hmm. that as a thing. It's just gonna, you know, it goes on and on and on. So, uh, you know, that part makes me kind of roll my eyes. But I, I think as a business thing, it's a fascinating development. And um, my guess is that 
the reality of it won't be as good as the dream because that's how life works. But uh, more power to him. We'll see. We'll see how it is. We'll see uh, unfettered Zack Snyder at last. And do you want to just rejoice about the Hulu app? My understanding is that everybody loves that the Hulu app is fixed. Yeah, the Hulu app was really bad. The Hulu app got updated last week. The Hulu app is way better now. And I am actually watching more Hulu than almost any other streaming service, maybe the most of any streaming service in this mm. current pandemic. Hmm. Um, the FX stuff, so Disney owning Hulu now and pouring all of the stuff from FX networks onto it. And that stuff is really good creatively. And um, and that stuff's all poured in there, plus Hulu originals, plus their catalog. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good service. I really am spending a lot of time in Hulu, but their interface was terrible. And now it's now it's uh, better. So hooray for that. It's 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 not even that I would say it's good. I would just say it's like every other TV app interface now. And that's good enough, like because it was way below that before. Now all we need to do is get now TV updated and then I can be happy because that is the real true hmm. terrible, terrible. Interface. Hulu's old interface had two side scrolling tabs on top of each other. And the one that was selected, by the way, that you could you could see it was because there was a line above the text. It was like an over line. And you didn't really know which was selected. And it, how do I get all the way up to the top bar? Or am I just in the middle bar? It was oh, it was really bad. But it's gone now. So there's only one te- there's only one navigation bar in Hulu Hooray. now. Woohoo! Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Uni Pizza Ovens. Uni is the world's number one pizza oven company. They make surprisingly small ovens that are powered by your choice of either wood, charcoal, or gas, letting you make restaurant-quality pizza in your own backyard. Everyone wants to make pizzas during lockdown, so treat yourself to the best tool for the job. Uni Pizza Ovens are incredibly easy to use and super portable. You have to see for yourself, but these ovens will fit in any outside space. They can reach temperatures up to 900 degrees Fahrenheit, 500 degrees Celsius, which will enable you to cook restaurant-quality pizza in as little as 60 seconds. It's that high temperature that separates average pizzas you make in a home oven from the quality that you can get from an Uni Pizza Oven. It is twice the heat. One of their newest models is the Uni Coda 16. This is a gas-powered oven that can cook up to 16-inch pizzas and has an innovative l-shaped burner at the back that gives you even heat distribution throughout uni's pizza ovens start at just 199 dollars with free shipping in the u.s uk and european union with two of their coolest models being the multi-fueled uni caro which can use wood charcoal or gas so you can take your pick mix it up or even use the uh or you can also look at getting the uni coda 16 as well it's number one of their really great pizza ovens uni also make an awesome app that can help you perfect your dough recipe and give you loads of pizza making tips now mr jason snow you sent me a picture a few days ago of a very nice looking pizza oh mike you know uh when we got uni as a sponsor i kept bugging you i was like are they gonna send me one are they gonna send me one i want it i want it i want it i want it Mike, stop, hold me back. Hold me back. I, I, I need to get this. Should I buy it? And you're like, no, no, I think I can get you, them to send you one. They sent me one. Um, I like pizza and I like making pizza. I've been making pizza for like 25 years now, my mm-hmm. own pizza. Um, it's so much fun. Like it uses, it uses the same uh, propane cylinder as my uh, gas grill does. So we just got another one of those, but I, we ran out and I just moved it from one to the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, it heats up really fast. It gets super hot, um, like much hotter than my oven can get inside the house. And also, it doesn't heat up my kitchen on a warm day. That's really nice. Mm-hmm. doesn't take a lot of space. Yeah, I, I've got it on my patio. Um, I pull, put it on my patio when I want to cook. Um, 
it uh, arrived in a box. I didn't have to assemble it. I had to slide in the like the pizza stone kind of thing that's the base of it. But otherwise, it's just there it is. It's the oven. You flip down the legs and, and there it is. And it because it's so hot, it cooks really quickly. So you slide the you slide the dough on, and then um, I have the little turning peel, and you you know it 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 cooks the the crust, and then you kind of like spin it around in there, and it's it's like a giant broiler. It's broiling on the top, and so you end up with really nice crust, uh, really kind of caramelized toppings, and cheese on the top, and it's done in minutes, which is to make me uh, make more smaller pizzas rather than one big pizza. Mm. Um, so that I can have different toppings on the different pizzas, which is also a lot of fun. So I've only done it, I think, three sessions so far. So I've got a lot to learn. <laughs> only three sessions. I've only made, yes, I've only made now. like six pizzas with it, but th- <laughs> there are more pizzas to be made. But it's so much fun. It was super easy to set up. Um, and like, I, 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 yeah, it makes me very happy. So it's it's one of my favorite new gadgets. I, I couldn't be happier. Listeners of this show can get 10% off their purchase of an Uni Pizza oven, which is up to $50 off an Uni Coda 16. Go to ooni.com, uni.com, and use the code UPGRADE at checkout. These things are super popular right now. Everyone's after one, so make sure that you don't miss out. Uni Pizza Oven's the best way to bring restaurant-quality pizza to your own backyard. Go to uni.com and use the code UPGRADE for 10% off. Our thanks to Uni Pizza Ovens for their support of this show and Relay FM. Joe Rogan is being hired by Spotify to make his show exclusive to their platform. Uh, You may have heard about this in some of your favorite shows the last week or so, and it was obvious that we were going to talk about this topic here today because it fits so nicely in the Venn diagram of stuff that we talk about on Upgrade. Both the audio and video versions of this show are joining Spotify, and by the end of 2020, Spotify will be the only place that you can get the Joe Rogan experience. That's not a pun. That's the name of the show. Uh, We don't know the price of this deal yet. We may find out later. Um, It's estimated to be north of $100 million, but there could be bonuses, goals, and all that kind of stuff for a multi-year exclusivity deal. This is not an acquisition like Spotify have done with The Ringer and Gimlet. They signed Rogan up to uh, a deal. Effectively, Rogan works for Spotify now for as long as this deal lasts, but he still owns the show. So if at the end of the deal he wants to leave, go somewhere else, he can. So that's there's, there's some slight differences to say like the Gimlet deal, which we may be more familiar with on this show, where they acquired the company and all of the assets. So if everybody leaves Gimlet, Spotify still own all that. It's not the case with Joe Rogan. Um, for a little bit of context, in case you don't know, The Joe Rogan Experience is easily the biggest podcast in the world right now. Uh, Apparently approximately 200 million downloads a month, which seems completely accurate, but also millions of views on YouTube as well. So it's video and audio. So, you know, you can see it battling out against like This American Life and Serial and shows like that, but they don't also have this massive YouTube presence. So huge deal here, right? Um... What is your take kind of top level, Jason? Like, what did you originally feel when you saw this news? Well, I, I mean, it's it's huge and it's bad for open podcasting. Yeah. That was my Im- immediate take. Um, a lot of people brush off Joe Rogan. If you're not in the Joe Rogan sphere of influence, you're like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. But seriously, it's it's either the biggest or second biggest podcast in the world, right? Like it's depending on how, who's measuring and all that, but it's it, it's huge. 
And he's what this deal really is. It's not about even being behind a paywall since it's going to be free on Spotify. What it really is, is about forcing people to use Spotify to hear his show. Mm -hmm. And it's going to get Spotify a bunch of new users because uh, it's the only way they're going to be able to hear their show, the show. And then they're in Spotify's ecosystem. So at that point, you know, it's more convenient to have all your podcasts in one place. So maybe they listen, they add all their other podcasts in Spotify, and now they're in the Spotify ecosystem. They're not in the open web ecosystem. If you want to use, or the open podcast ecosystem, if you want to use Overcast or Pocket Casts or, you know, or Castro or anything or like Apple that. Podcasts. Or, or Apple Podcasts. Or Google Podcasts. Or any You of can't. As, as a or or YouTube, which they mm-hmm. posted Joe Rogan's show on YouTube too, right? Like yep. that's all gone. It's just going to be next year on on Spotify's platforms, and that is, it's the way I've been likening it is like imagine if there was a website you really liked, and they said, um, now it's only available in our app. Like it's kind of like that where you, we're taking our ball and going home. If you want to read it in a web browser, you can't. We're not mm-hmm. going to let you do that. And while you can read it in an app, and a lot of people do that, um, you can also read it on the website. And Spotify is like, uh-uh, you have to be in our app in order to get it. And it's quite a power move. They're spending a lot of money. I read somewhere like how much money this would be an equivalent of how they would pay how they pay musical artists for their subscription service. Mm-hmm. But and it's a lot like because the music artists are really angry because Spotify doesn't want to pay them mm-hmm. very much, but uh, they're happy to pay Joe Rogan. The difference is that this is an ad play, right? This is this is a, a, an ecosystem yeah, play. More, we want people using our app yeah. and then they're and it's free. So they're going to they're going to try to create a sales infrastructure where they're inserting ads in this stuff. And they're presumably the deal is something like they're getting the exclusive and then they are going to try to make up some of that money by selling ads into it. But like, it's a, so it's a, you know, I think it's, well, I've seen reports that like Joe Rogan is able to continue selling his own ads in the show and will continue to get that money. I haven't seen that confirmed, but. And again, the, the amount that they're spending it's all part of the negotiation, right? Does he get to keep all the ad revenue or some of the ad revenue? If if they take the ad revenue, then it's more like a guarantee, mm-hmm. which a lot of podcast ad networks do, mm-hmm. where they'll say, I'm going to write you a check for this much money, and then it's up to us to sell the ads, but you just get the money and don't have to worry about our ad sales. Um, but the you know, if they walked away with all his ad revenue, they'd probably ha- have had to pay him more, right? So they paid him less for the license, but... He gets to he gets to keep ad revenue. The difference is he will lose some listeners, right? Because some people will just not follow him. Although I think most people will. I think he's going to lose more viewers than listeners. I think there will be a much bigger hit to the YouTube audience side, the video side, than the audio. The power of YouTube. Yeah. The, absolutely, absolutely the case. I've never watched Joe Rogan, really. Like, I've seen clips. But I was yeah. recommended a Joe Rogan video on YouTube two days ago, and I watched it. It was like a 15-minute clip of Robert Downey Jr. And I was like, oh, I, want, I'm, I can't remember. It was like about some roles that he's taken and whether he regrets them or not. And I was like, oh, I like Robert Downey Jr. I'll watch this. It's, but that kind of shows. And that video had 17 million views on it. It was a 15-minute clip. Because this is the other thing. They do lots of clips. So they don't just have the full version. They have another channel of like clips. And those clips get massive amounts of views because they're like a 10-minute thing. It's more youtube right? All of that's gone. Like that, I honestly believe is is going to be the bigger hit because though the YouTube numbers are always going to be bigger than the podcast numbers because YouTube is just so much bigger, and 
there had there's like a lot of people saying, oh, Rogan's had problems with YouTube monetization, right? Oh, YouTube's been demonetizing him, and it's one of the reasons he wanted to leave. A few things on this. One, that YouTube money is nothing compared to what he's getting from the ads, which he's including the YouTube numbers in when he's selling them, right? So when he's going out, to, or when his people are going out to an advertiser, they're not just saying, oh, we oh we're only going to sell you the, the like 5 million podcast listeners we have. No, they're also saying... And there's another 7 million people here on YouTube that will see this or whatever, right? They're selling the whole thing together. So the ads that are in the shows, it's all getting bumped up by YouTube, right? So yes, he may be using losing YouTube ad revenue from demonetization, but it's not that much of a problem because YouTube, it's, it's like the rising tide lifts all ships, right? Because he has that access to a large audience. But some people think that, oh, he's making the jump because... He gets in trouble with YouTube and they demonetize him because the thing about Rogan is he will interview anyone. It's one of the things people like about his show is he could be quite controversial and he'll interview, you know, Bernie Sanders, but also Ben Shapiro, right? Like he'll do everyone, right? He'll interview anyone. But I don't see how he is not in a worse position when it comes to this now because he didn't work for YouTube, he didn't work for Google. They don't care. They'll just take his money away if they don't like the content. He is now an employee of Spotify. Anything he does, reflect. Oh, is he? I've My guess seen is people not, say not. that he is, but irrespective, I don't. I don't believe it. I. I, I believe they have a, a. He's like a studio that has an exclusive license okay. agreement with Spotify. Everything he does now will affect. This is going to be important when the apologies happen later. Okay, but like so. he will. He has much of a more of a, a, a reflection on Sp- Spotify and him are much more tied together than him and Google are, right? Because if he does something that is incredibly controversial, he is monetarily linked to Spotify. Like, if there are any PR crises, it affects them, right? Much more than it ever would have affected Google, because Google were like, we have nothing to do with it. But you've got to assume that he has a contract with Spotify that lists this kind of stuff in it about, you know, these kinds of issues if he is being too controversial. It's like, I just, what my point here is, irrespective of the details, the idea about him doing this so he finally gets out from under the thumb of YouTube, that's insane. That's like, that's a really just a wrong argument. Like, I can't see that. Right? Are you following me? Yeah. Like, this is not a play of like, oh, I need my independence. No, it's not that. He's less independent now because he works for Spotify in some instances. Anyway, that's just a point that I wanted to make. Do you think that his fo- listeners will follow him along? Like, Do you think that this is going to be worth it for Spotify, like, ultimately? Yeah, in the in the short term, I do. Whether, I think it's a multi-stage thing, right? Like, he, they're going to get an influx of users who've never tried Spotify for podcasts before. That's, the, that's step one. Um, it will... It's not without risk, right? Like if Joe, Joe Rogan does stuff that's really controversial, Spotify is going to have to kind of like live it down and deal with it. Mm-hmm. And there's a non-zero chance that they are going to have to terminate this agreement, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like a non-zero chance that that it becomes such a black eye that they have to walk away. Um, I'm not saying that will happen, but it could happen. Because especially if they start doing a big ad thing and those ads are being sold on Joe Rogan and he does something that people turn against him for and start campaigning to the advertisers to come off Joe Rogan, right? Like these are the flows you end up going through. And But yes, 
Sorry to interrupt you. No, um, the play for Spotify, right? They want users. Mm-hmm. And there's the ad play, right? Just, they want to build an ad network. This is the one that I've seen a lot of people talk about. They want to be YouTube, right? They want to be YouTube. And what that means is they want a platform that they control that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people use that they can sell ads into programmatically. And what you'll get is worse ads for less money, but you make it up in volume. Great for Spotify, bad for podcasters, most podcasters, unless you've got huge volume. And... Uh, if they can convince advertisers that Spotify is the place to buy advertising, if you're not in Spotify using their ad system, you're basically out of luck. And that will that will potentially harm, I'm not going to say kill, but that will harm the outside of Spotify podcast ecosystem. And you could even end up in a scenario where everybody has to use Spotify's ad system, even if they're not in Spotify or not just in Spotify. Because, you know, they also have some podcasts that are not in Spotify, but if they're ad supported, Spotify wants to be the ones to sell them. So that that's really the risk here is that talk to a YouTube creator about the incredible amount of leverage that YouTube has over their lives. Why do you think so many YouTube creators now do Patreons? Like CGP Grey is a good example of that, but there are lots. It's like, well, that's a direct connection with their audience where the money goes from the audience to the creator. Whereas on YouTube, like... There's a lot of money to be made if you've got a lot of followers with their ad system, but anything that Google wants to do to you, you have to accept because they own you, because everything is on YouTube. And Spotify looks at that and says, that's great. We want to have that control over podcasters. Yeah, I want to dig into that a little bit more, that whole ad thing, because if there's a thing I know, podcast advertising. I know. This is your business. So I believe that like many, right? Like, I don't know how much of this is, is is new thinking, but I want to add the detail that I have. So I genuinely believe Spotify are slicing and dicing the ad business. That's what all of this is for. It's what the whole thing's been for. They want an additional large revenue stream and they want to make a monetization platform for audio like YouTube have for video, as Jason said. Like, so, but, the, and there is, this isn't just like a, oh, I think this is the case. This is true. So one, they count, these large deals in their ad business financially. They actually adjusted some previous records to move the acquisition of Gimlet from their content arm financially to their ad business financially because that's where they're going to make money. So they're saying, oh, this is a cost for that part of the business. This it doesn't affect anyone but it's important to see that because you can see how they value it. They've also spoken on conference calls. Daniel Eck, the CEO of Spotify, said the following. No, there, there has been no innovation in podcast advertising, and we're working hard on building digital ad sourcing technology, and we'll use that technology to dramatically revolutionize ad experiences of podcast group listeners. I think advertisers alike are very eager for us to get into this space with all of the measurability tools and all of those things that we're bringing to the industry. To me, I can only read this as we want to do what YouTube is doing, but for podcasts. And what that means is, so that ad I just did for Uni, that's not what you're going to hear. You may hear an ad, like an ad, right, in that place, if if I'm in the Spotify system, but it won't be me reading it. You're not going to hear about Jason's experience making the pizzas. You're going to hear some pre-recorded thing that maybe I did, but probably somebody else did, like YouTube, right? They want to put ads into shows, and also those ads may be about a local business to you because they're going to chuck them in there. You may have heard people talk about, and we've spoken about this before, 
DAI, did like insertion, so the add by tracking, and they will insert stuff in. And because you're using Spotify's closed platform, they're going to collect more d- data about you, right? That's going to be a thing that they're going to do because they have the ability to do that. They can get more information about you. Like Spotify already have some tools like this in place. Um, like Relay FM shows are in Spotify, right? We did that because we're a business. It'd be wild not to. We want to try and make our stuff available where we can. When we looked at the deal with them, the terms were good. We review the terms. If the terms change, you know, we may not be in Spotify anymore. I don't know. But Spotify have a closed platform and they have data that other places don't have, right? Like they have breakdowns of age. They have breakdowns of gender. They can tell me, I don't know how this is useful, but people don't listen to Upgrade. What type of music do they like? I don't know why that would be useful to me, but Spotify have a platform that can tell me that. So they have more and they will do everything they can to get more and more data about you so they can target the advertising to you. I don't know if they would succeed if they stay just in the Spotify ecosystem because they would need a lot more of the market than they already have. And they even would have by bringing Joe Rogan in to make sweeping changes to the business model that affects everybody, right? They can't push in and be YouTube unless they come up with a system, which was what Jason was saying, where if you listen in Apple Podcasts, they also make money. But they can do that. They own Anchor, right? A podcast distribution hosting company that has the advertising technology created that they're probably using right that's what they'll use where they can have ads put into shows anchor have this system they made it i believe just before they got bought by spotify but it was part of the play i'm sure and i would believe that what spotify want to do is try and get everyone to use the spotify branded uh podcast creation system so they can put ads in and tell you that you'll make money, right? That everyone can make money podcasting now because they're going to spread the ads across everyone. I don't think this is a good idea for a reason I'll get into in a minute, but I also would expect that if you use this system, you obviously have to be on Spotify as well as everywhere else, but I think some of the terms may say stuff like you should tell your listeners only listen to, to listen on Spotify, right? Don't mention other places. And for example... On the Gimlet shows right now, they are saying the best place to listen to these shows is on Spotify. Like, and obviously they're being told to say that because it doesn't make any sense. Spotify doesn't offer any additional functionality, but they are being told to do that. So my wife, Edina, listens to a show called Science Versus, and they had like a little ad. It was kind of funny, but there's a little bit of rebellion to it. So it's a science-based show, and the host is saying you should listen on Spotify. It's the best place to listen to this podcast. And then the producer jumps in and says, do you have any scientific data for that? And she says, no. Right. So they're kind of making a funny (laughs) joke about it, but that's because their boss told them, you have to say this now because their boss told them. So like, this is the kind of stuff that will be like, they will allow you to use this technology potentially in other places, but you have to say, listen on Spotify. Again, all of this is just my feeling about this, like my read on it. Now, If they can siphon off enough large players, so advertising agencies, so there are agencies that recruit smaller companies, right? So you'll have a few big agencies. You also have big companies like Squarespace who, you know, everybody knows Squarespace, but they they do it on their own. They have a team. But then you have advertising agencies who work directly with companies like us and they work with smaller companies that, that want to advertise in podcasts but don't have their own teams to do it, right? 
And I think the big risk there is if Spotify can convince enough of those large buying companies to work directly with them, that's the big risk. And I feel like that risk is there right now. Like, because Spotify can walk in and say that they can be more effective, they can have better data, and they'll have cheaper prices because they will push the market down. So the biggest name in podcasting right now is still Apple Mm -hmm. because they have the huge directory and they have the most popular podcast client. Mm -hmm. So, But their approach to this, they are not Spotify. Their approach to this is very different. I'm wondering what... If Apple looks at this and says, hmm, this isn't good, we don't like this, and they may or may not do that, what would their response even be? I don't think Apple has one. I mean, I have a suggestion, but I don't think they'll do it because I think what we've seen is podcasting is a very... Apple is a huge fish in podcasting. They're, 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 they're big. They are the big fish in the small pond. But in within Apple, podcasting is the tiny little fish in the enormous ocean. Like, it's... If that... If that follows, Apple's very important to podcasting. Podcasting isn't very important to Apple. That's the truth. Mm -hmm. People at Apple who work on podcasting are great, but they're a very small group in a division that is not, I mean, well, it is, you know, a more important division than it used to be, but it's a very small group. It's not a core part of Apple's strategy to do podcasts, right? The money that can be made from podcasting is not a business that Apple is in, which is advertising. No. It mostly is there because it makes it helps make the iPhone the best place to be yep. to listen to podcasts, yes. yep. and that makes the iPhone a better product. Yep. That's essentially and it and it dates from two thousand five and decisions made when Steve Jobs rolled out that new version of GarageBand and put podcast directories in iTunes and stuff like that. Like it was a it's it's a legacy, but it it, it turned into this accidental success for Apple, and they still have it. I don't think that they are going to do much. Um, there are some rumors that they're doing st- some stuff. We've talked about the possibility of them doing, you know, Apple original podcasts, but they're really for their Apple TV Plus shows. There yeah, are some there was rumors. A, there that- was another report from Bloomberg that uh, that they're doing that that they are doing this. They have podcasts focusing on their TV shows, and they're also buying podcasts that they think they could turn into TV Plus shows. It's very different play to to Spotify's purely content, is what we assume right now. But, but right, yeah. So. Here's the thing. If I'm Apple and I look at Spotify, and Apple and Spotify have a bad relationship. Let's also mention that. Mm-hmm. Like Spotify keeps calling out Apple and saying that Apple is anti-competitive and that they should be on, they should be a, a choice on uh, the HomePod and and in Siri and all these things, right? Like they, they have had a a prickly relationship, the two, these two companies. If I'm Apple, I don't know. I, I feel like there's not a lot I can do. But if I if I really want to spite Spotify attempting to take, you know, take its ball and go home, I would try to identify some of the most popular podcasts that remain and sign a licensing deal with them that keeps them in an RSS feed. Um, which is a weird deal, right? But it's almost like you want to sign a deal that they will be featured on apple Podcasts or something Mm -hmm. and basically give them money to not go to spotify but not lock them inside the apple podcast app because i don't think apple's strategy is to make a silo inside the podcast app i really don't think so um but it's possible that they would they would do it but you you look at strategy uh, spotify's strategy they are not trying to put it behind a paywall they just want to put it in their app so apple the response would have to be what can we do to make deals with people so that they don't put their podcast anywhere that isn't 
an open RSS feed. And we'll we'll call it like featured in Apple Podcasts, but what it really means is you can't go to Spotify. That's a weird thing and I'm not sure anybody could get any like financial backing from Apple to do it and yet that's the move here. That's the counter move that somebody would have to do is basically and it would have to be Apple is say we want you on our platform and we want to make sure you don't leave podcasts to go to Spotify and so let's make a deal. Um I don't yeah like that's the best I could come up with. I like that but I can't imagine that happening cuz I I I have a hard time imagining it. All the rumors about Apple Podcasts, original podcasts and things like that are it'll be for subscribers of Apple News or uh, News Plus or TV Plus or uh, Apple Music or like there there are all of these stories out there that kind of speculate about like where does this stuff go if it exists. And those all make more sense financially because they're kind of going to the bottom line of some service. Whereas mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts doesn't generate like it's not a service. It doesn't generate revenue. And if they wanted to create a service, guess what? Now it's locked behind a paywall and it's worse than what Spotify is doing with Joe Rogan. But if Spotify are going to do, which is what I think they're going to do, which is mainly build an advertising platform, it doesn't affect Apple because the shows will still be in, potentially in open RSS right. feeds. I don't believe that Spotify are trying to lock the entire podcast ecosystem behind their doors. I think that they like the idea of having that as part one of a two-part plan, hmm. but the other part of that plan is building that monetization system. But if I'm Apple, I don't care about part two. You're right, but I really care about part one because this is Spotify making one of Apple's most popular podcasts uh, leave Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. and go to Spotify. And that's if I'm Apple, that's what I don't like. I don't like that now you can't get Joe Rogan's show on Apple Podcasts. And how do I prevent that? How do I prevent that from happening? I'm not sure there's a way to do it. But also, like, if if you're Apple, it's like, well, they can't buy all the shows. You know, no, they can't. Spotify's going to run out of the money to spend on this stuff, so you just kind of wait it out. That was the next point I was going to make, is maybe your strategy as Apple is, hey, Spotify, we have way more money than you. Keep spending your money. Buy, you, you can't buy all podcasts. Mm-hmm. So you've made a very good, like, clever investment here. Um but keep spending your money. You're going to run out. And your ultimate, you know, they would probably say, we know what your step two is, which is ads in po- in open podcasts too. And we don't care about that. So, you know, that that is, and that's the most likely scenario here is that Apple continues to do what it has done all along with podcasts, which is be um, sort of just take a hands-off attitude. They are incredibly powerful, but they do nothing. I think that right now, the podcast industry, from the creator's perspective, is at the greatest risk of a disruption than there ever has been before. Because of these, because of two things. One is Spotify, this this platform that they're clearly building, because it's going to change if it works and they get what they want and they do what I think they're going to do, which is provide ads for everyone if they want them. It will change the way that advertising works and sounds. I think that it's not going to sound as good. It's not going to sound natural anymore. Um, I think that the advertising rates will go down because they'll be offering a kind of a marketplace-like platform like Google, Facebook, YouTube do. And I believe that because of the pandemic, 
there will be a lot more people willing to make moves that they wouldn't have made before because the advertising industry is already in flux. And there may be a bit of desperation on everyone's side from big companies in podcasting that will be like, oh, Spotify can make it more effective and and cost better for us. We should do it if we're going to get more results for less money. And there may be some large publishers who are like, oh, man, we're really struggling right now. We're going to sign on to the Spotify platform that's guaranteeing us some money. So, you know, I... I don't know how I feel about all of this, but I do feel like it is becoming much more significant. I've been able to brush it off a little bit more before, Jason, but I feel like that the the curtain has been like lifted, the drape has been lifted off of this advertising thing from Spotify, and I think that they are going to become a very large juggernaut, and it's going to become more and more difficult for people to work out advertising on their own if Spotify are making promises that other people simply cannot give, right? Like it is not possible for any podcast company in the open system to provide the data that Spotify will be able to provide. And if they make everybody believe that that will make the ads better, which I don't think it will, then they'll buy. Everyone's going to buy, right? I'm going to buy through Spotify. And if that's where the money goes, where's the industry going to go? So it's a bit doom and gloom, I know, but I, I, this is where I think we're moving, or at least there is a much stronger chance of this happening than there has been before. Also, I'll just throw out that um, advertising aside, I hate the idea of of walling off podcasts in separate apps mm-hmm. um, because one of two things happens. Either you use that app, at which point hopefully everything that you listen to can go in that app because some things aren't in Spotify. You have to submit to go into Spotify. And that means Spotify controls your whole interface. And if you don't like it, you don't have another choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is just what it is. And having had this experience, which we did talk about on a previous episode with an Audible original, which is what Audible calls their essentially podcasts that are behind the Audible paywall, or you can get to some of them with a Prime account. But um I got so frustrated with a show I wanted to listen to because the audible interface was frustrating. It was hard to figure out how to queue up episodes and it was totally separate from everything else I was listening to. And it's a worse, it's a worse experience. I mean, it's great if you use Spotify all the time and love it and everything you want to listen to is in Spotify. But for a lot of people, it's now adding complexity to it. Should we do some more fun stuff? I guess while we can do, I haven't got anything more I want to say on this. All right. And like I said, everything, uh, you know, everything's changing. Everything's changing. And we'll see what happens. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Pingdom from SolarWinds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience, no matter how good your content is or how effective your marketing may be. If your website doesn't load at all or it's loading too slowly, people are going to leave. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues are affecting the experience that your visitors are having so you can take action before you're impacted. How your visitors experience your website is going to differ depending on the browser, the device, and the platform that they use. So you want to identify what combination of these problems could affect your 
business. With Pingdom, you can make informed optimizations to deliver a great performance to those who matter most. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution which is built for scalability, meaning that you're able to monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank. You can get live visitor insights today and real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com relayfm and get a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code upgrade at checkout and you'll get an amazing 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. Hashtag ask upgrade time. Stitch on the Relay FM members Discord asked, What are some of your favorite segments that you hear on other podcasts? Not necessarily that you should do it, but kind of ones that you wish you maybe could steal or just stuff that you really enjoy jason what about you um the podcast i listen to that has the most segments is the podcast with uh joe posnanski and michael shore and friends which is a podcast from the athletic that they make available on all podcasting platforms thank you very much so i can listen to it and uh one of their segments is the one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing mm. Okay. which is just completely random things that they do at the end of the show. And uh, it's got a theme song and it's delightful. And I like silly segments. So that's my favorite. We do love a silly segment around here. Uh, one of my favorites and the ones that I'm kind of most jealous of as a producer of podcasts is on my brother, my brother and me, when they go, when they do their ads, it's called the money zone. And they take their ad break by saying, shall we go to the money zone? And then mm. they have a little song that plays them into the ads and I mean, their ads are just like so funny and are just also really good content, which I also just like so jealous of comedy podcasts. I think we said that before, right? That like comedy podcasts seem to be able to do whatever they want when it comes to ads, which is wild. But anyway, mm. uh, but I love the idea of calling the ad break the money zone. It's just so smart and is a nice bridge and it like perfectly fits the themes of their shows. So that's one that as a producer of shows, I'm jealous of, but as a listener of the show, I actually really enjoy the ads. So there you go. Uh, Mark asks, when is the last time you set up a Mac, iPad, iPhone from scratch? Do you prefer this to using data migration? What about you, Jason? Um, I decided to take the 13-inch review unit that I got, the 13-inch MacBook Pro review unit, and not do any migration. Um, it's such a pain, though, because if I want to use it as a real computer with all my stuff on it, I need to actually migrate. Uh, and I don't have a good place to migrate from right now because the only laptop I have is my old MacBook Air, and it's kind of a out-of-date bad choice for this. Mm -hmm. So I keep I keep meaning to set up one of my review laptops the way I like it and then like time machine back up that laptop so that I can keep that and do a migration assistant restore from that backup every time I review a laptop, but I haven't done it. So I end up mostly just doing it from nothing and um, it gets, it's so frustrating to do that. But I, I also set up new laptops more often than most people, right? Because I review them. Uh, but uh, I I prefer migration assistant, and I use that basically whenever possible. But it does, it does take a while, and if you want to get started, you can just bite the bullet. You you get started with nothing, and then every time you want to use something, you go, God, that's not here, and then you have to install it. And mm -hmm. there's always that bootstrap moment where it's like I need to install one password 
to get the password or the serial number for this thing. But uh, that is on Dropbox, so I also need to install. And you realize you got to install like five things to do the thing you want, and that is not my favorite. I never do this for my own stuff. Like I always will migrate from something because I, I don't want to spend multiple days getting everything right. Um, the 16-inch MacBook Pro review unit that Apple gave me a while ago uh, I did just set it up from scratch because I didn't, you know, I wanted to just get to use it. I didn't want to wait for like two days to transfer it over. Um, and it's a nice enough experience to like tinker around or reboot it from scratch. What do I need? What do I not need? But I would never do this for like every product that I bought. It, it was nice to do as a one-off thing. But, you know, when I do eventually buy a laptop for the studio i will migrate it from my current macbook pro that's what i'll do for my own stuff just because i'm moving so much data like i don't want to re-download everything from my dropbox again right like i don't want to do that um so i i I don't i don't know how people do that for all the devices that they get i know people do it and they like to do it and like more power to you if that's your thing but it would drive me drive me bananas to do it Zaza, also in the Relay FM members Discord, asks, how would I go about becoming a tech writer for some of the sites that I love? Is there anything specific in a portfolio that people would look for? And how would I even pitch myself or find writing gigs? Jason, I wanted to ask you about this because you've, I guess, come from multiple worlds when it comes to stuff like this, from Macworld to now where you are at Six Colors. And I wanted to see if you had any advice. I have no idea. The advice I always give is that the best thing to have is what we used to call clips, which is samples of your work. And it used to be very hard to get samples of your your finished work because it means you have to, it's that chicken and egg thing. You now have to find a place to publish your work. So yeah, you, you have to example. have been published to pu- be published. And, and it ends up, there's like a chain of things where you have to start someplace small that will take an unpublished person and you have to have samples maybe that you've written that you show them that say, well, you know, here's a sample of something that I've written. Um, I always used to say for people who are students, like get on your student, whatever it is, and you know, newspaper, magazine, whatever, and write there. And then you can use those as an example for the internship you're applying for, or the job you're applying for. Like, look, well, I don't have any. We, at one point, we um, were taking applicants for an editor job at, at Macworld, and, and we got somebody who was just out of college, and we asked them for writing samples. And they said, well, I didn't do, I, you, did you do anything for your newspaper or magazine or in a class or something? And I'm like, no. And I thought, I'm not going to hire you because you showed no interest in writing publicly in mm. college. And now you suddenly want to be a writer or editor. It's like, seems that was a red flag for me. Um, all that is to say that today you could just write in public yourself. Mm-hmm. So I would say first thing to do is set up a site, you know, set up a Squarespace site or a, or a, a medium blog or whatever not medium. A place on the internet. Own it. Own it even if it's free. Like <laughs> Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you're just trying to get a job, I don't think it matters. But um, whatever is easiest, set something up and uh, and write things that are like the things you want to write. Just write them. And not only will you get better at writing, but you will have a thing on the internet to point people to and say, oh, that w- this is a sample of stuff. And then you have to approach people you'd like to write for. And that th- one of the challenges there is that it needs to be a place that has multiple writers. I remember when Dan Morin came to me um, and I didn't know who he was. And he, he said, he said, I would like to write. Um, I said, I talked to tidbits because tidbits often would 
use unpublished writers, uh, new writers, and uh, they didn't pay those writers. And, you know, but it was like visibility. And it was a start. Today, you know, I don't know. It's it's a much harder, more complicated world, but I think it's got to start with your words in public. So that's my, that's really my advice is maybe maybe write some stuff that is the stuff you'd like to write in your own place and then go to whomever those sites are that you love and say, this is the kind of stuff I write. I would love to write something for you and see if they give you a shot. But uh, as somebody on the other side of it, I really wanted to see examples and public examples, something that you put out there is the best. And obviously public examples at a website that has editors that have chosen to work with you and they've published your work is, is better. But if you don't have that, start somewhere um, and put your best work forward and maybe even work at it for a little while and get better at it before showing that to those people who work at the sites that you love. Andrew asks, do you think it would work if Apple made a virtual touch bar on the bottom of the iPad screen for when you were using the magic keyboard to replace a function row? Well, so there's already that kind of magic smart bar, bar, quick type thingy that's down there, which is super buggy, especially when you're using a keyboard, like some apps bring it up and some apps don't. And Mm -hmm. I I kind of feel like it's taking up space that I wish it didn't, Mm -hmm. but... I would say that that's the precedent is like if Apple wanted to make that bar do more stuff when you've got an external keyboard attached, they could. And this is the case that that's like a potential iOS 14 feature, right? That now that they've really embraced even more the idea of this laptop configuration um, and they already have the smart keyboard, but like this is with the magic keyboard, they've done it even more so like they could throw some love that direction and make that a more refined interface element. Um, that would be, is that the touch bar? Well, no, but it could be something like that. Um, I, I'm not, I don't have a lot of hope for it because that current feature is kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. I mean, it, it could use a lot of work and get a lot of love. It deserves that, but I'm not sure they're going to give it to it. Yeah, it would be. I mean, there's a couple of buttons there for like cut, copy, paste, but that's it, right? Like it would yeah. be fun to do something with that space if we're going to keep using it. There could be some more contextual stuff to do. Especially if a keyboard's attached, right? Mm-hmm. It could be yeah. a completely different thing when there's a keyboard attached. Yep, I would like that. That's not not a bad idea. Eric asks, do you think that Apple will add the AirPod Pro's quote-unquote buttons, like the little pressure-sensitive stems, to regular AirPods? The regular ones fit me better, but I miss the controls. I think they will. Like, I hadn't thought of this before, but I wouldn't be surprised if AirPods 2 included that little i mean it would just be like for play pause and stuff like that but seems seems logical to me like it feels like the typical way that apple will do things pro product gets a new feature and eventually it goes to the regular product and then the pro product version 2 gets another new feature do you think so i think apple prefers the squeeze thing to tapping your your ear they should because it's so much better (laughs) right so i my guess is that yes at some point they'll do that but um i don't that doesn't feel like as big a differentiating feature so if they decide to make uh, make changes and actually redesign the airpods and not just leave them as they are yeah but actually change them physically i would think that they would change to that approach i think, I they think would the do next that version will get smaller like the regular airpods I, will get a bit smaller because i don't think it's 
it's the pro differentiator. I think it's more just like a feature that they added to the pro product, but I think the noise canceling and stuff is really the differentiator. So the squeezing instead of tapping your head in order to do stuff, (laughs) I think, um, as a matter of course, they'd probably try to add if they did a redesign. But that's the question is when are they going to actually redesign that product? Because they've got, you know, maybe they just figure it's good enough and, they, and they're and they going to keep it the way it is. Who knows? And Glenn asks, what's the best time for a cup of tea? I mean, anytime. I, that's why I knew you were going to say that. I, I only put this question in here because I knew you were going to say anytime. But I did want to But I mostly have you. it in the morning. Yeah. It's, I, most, it's mostly in the morning okay. and, 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 you know, first thing in the morning, cup of tea and my breakfast. And it's, uh, that's, that's the best. I only ever have tea at bedtime because we chamomile tea if I need to get a bit sleepy. Huh? Uh, but I drink coffee and I drink coffee in the morning and then I'll have some coffee in the afternoon. I typically only have like what would be in total four shots of espresso a day. So I'll typically have a double shot espresso drink in the morning and I was from milk and that kind of stuff, cappuccino, that kind of deal. And then I will have either in the afternoon a second double shot drink or I will have two single shots depending on the show breakup that I'm doing I'll typically have my second coffee before I start recording a show so I had one before upgrade but on some days like Wednesdays when I record two shows I'll have one at three o'clock and one at six o'clock so I have a bit of caffeine to get me through these podcasts in the most uh, upbeat way I can possibly be so that's it for hashtag ask upgrade you can uh, submit questions with hashtag ask upgrade on Twitter or the question mark ask upgrade command in the Relay FM members Discord. I will mention again at this point before uh, we go into our break and talk about Mike at the movies to Ferris Bueller. Uh, if you want to become a Relay FM member, we'd really, really appreciate it. Uh, you can click a link in the show notes and become a member of and support Upgrade right now. Uh, it would be great. Uh, we are finding ways and finding more and more ways at the moment to make our membership offering better for you, the member, the listener. Um, we've added new content we've added the relay fm members discord and we'd really appreciate it if you became a member you can find out more at relay.fm slash membership but uh maybe the best thing to do is just to click that link at the very top of your show notes and you can support upgrade right now so if you do that thank you so much um and if you're going to thank you as well all right this episode is also brought to you by linode whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure linode has the pricing support and scale that you need to take your project to the next level they have 11 data centers worldwide including their newest in sydney australia Linode have enterprise grade hardware they have s3 compatible storage options they deliver the performance you expect at a surprisingly good price you can get started on linode today and get a 20 dollars credit because you listen to this show. If you sign up, you will have access to dedicated CPU plans that have physical cores reserved just for you if that's something that you want. One-click installs of the most popular apps, including WordPress, LampStack, and Game Service for Minecraft, and everything is managed over a 40-gigabit network of industry-leading performance and processors, and so much more. Go to linode.com upgrade and use the promo code UPGRADE2020 when creating a new Linode account, and you'll get $20 credit towards your next project. Once again, that is linode.com slash upgrade and the promo code UPGRADE2020 for $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. Mike at the Movies time. And this is a rare Mike at the Movies for a couple of reasons. One, I've seen the movie before many times and love the movie. And 
another rarity is I've seen the movie more than Jason has. Way way more times than way me. more times. I've maybe seen this movie like five or six times. I think this was Jason's second time. Second, yeah. So, I mean, I'll just say straight off the top, like, I absolutely love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like, the reason we picked it is because we were like, oh, let's do a mic at the movies. Uh, let's pick something fun. And I find this movie very fun. But the real reason I love Ferris Bueller is there are absolutely no stakes in this movie. It is the mm. most easy-watching movie that I can think of. Uh, nothing that can happen to anyone in this movie by and large, will affect their life that much. Um, everyone is kind of... You feel like not only in a better place by the end of the movie, but any drama that happens to them is resolved pretty quickly. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I love this movie. Uh, I mean, other than other than Cameron in the car and his dad. But he's like super fine about it, like immediately, yeah. right? Like he thinks it's a good thing that happens when the car is destroyed, right? Like to him, yes. it's like, brilliant, this is exactly what I wanted. Um, and so like... And and everything else in the movie where, you know, he's like, th- things seem to be affecting him. You look at it like, it's not really affecting him that much, right? Like, mm-hmm. there isn't any drama in his life until that point where the car is destroyed. But he is the one who starts the car destruction anyway. It was his choice, you know? Right. Um, David Schwab in the Discord has said about to- Totoro. Totoro is a good movie where, well... It's a chill movie until everyone thinks that the young daughter has died, right? So, like, that's, you know, like, it gets pretty serious there. Uh, and, and yet point. she's fine. Totoro and uh, Kiki's Delivery Service are both movies where there's no villain. Kiki and is more chill than Totoro. Yeah, but that's the difference here, right, is there is a villain in this all oh, by the yep. way having seen having never seen home alone and ferris bueller's day off through the 80s and the 90s wild it is funny having seen them both now for mike at the movies no less mm-hmm. um oh my goodness they are absolutely from the same person right yes. like it is i kept i kept waiting for more wet bandits things mm-hmm. to happen to the dean as he entered the house right yep. like it, it, there's definitely a lot of moments where you're like oh oh yeah it's home alone i see yep. I see it now. And it's like, um, oh, yeah. why is this movie in Chicago? Because John Hughes would only make movies in Chicago. That's why. Exactly. Uh, That's it's why. just like funny. It's like a funny thing. That is kind of weird, right? Like in Mike at the Movies lore, that John Hughes movies, I seem to bring these movies, like just yeah, randomly. I, I never saw John Hughes movies when I was a teenager. I never did. Uh, which is funny because my wife, her boyfriend in high school worked at a movie theater. So she literally saw every movie that was released in the 80s. So she has this amazing catalog of knowledge of 80s movies that i don't have huh yeah including all the john hughes stuff i just I, but so anyway i i watched it and it's fun and uh oh i think the most important thing that i can add here is oh yeah that's all i got uh this is yes but even though there is a villain he's a laughable villain yeah we watched this last night with my son who's 15. We're like, you like this movie. They the kids it. skip school. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what he said about five minutes in is, okay, either this is going to be one of those movies where everything goes uh, really, 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 really bad at some point and everything, just everything goes bad or it's going to be one of those movies where in the end, everything is fine and nothing goes bad and it's super happy. But he's like, and I was like, you're right, kid. It is definitely going to be one of those yep. things. I never yep. really thought of it in those terms. 
And he said, and there's a, maybe a chance that everything looks like it's going to go horribly bad, but at the very last minute, it's all resolved and it's all fine. And I, and I'm sitting there thinking, no, it's the one where everything is fine. That's yeah. what this movie is. It's that's the kind of movie it is. And he appreciated it, but he was right that that there is a moment. 30 minutes in where you're like, either this is about to go disastrously wrong or it's never going to go wrong. And this is the kind of movie, which is why we picked it because it's a movie that is just kind of fun and happy Mm -hmm. uh, and, and absurd things happen. And uh, although there are some character moments that are stressful in the end, it's pretty much a sunny, again, it's a sunny, warm day. The weather's nice. Why would you, why would you be inside? You know, it's like he just wants to have the the best day he can possibly give Cameron, right? Like, that's what it ends up being, which is like yes. this very sweet thing, which you find uh-huh. out. Because it seems like, you know, there are points in the movie where you're like, Ferris is cool, but he's kind of a bully towards his best friend, right? It's kind of how it feels right. at points. Like, he's making Cameron do things Cameron doesn't want to do. But there is like this dual thing of like, one, you can see that Cameron's kind of getting stuck in a rut a little bit and needs to be like, he needs some shaking up right and his friends trying to help him out by like shaking him out of his like funk right but also they're about to go off to college and he is going to miss his best friend who he's probably grown up with right you assume like they've been friends forever kind of thing and he's going to miss him so he wants to give cameron the best day he can and by the end of it he has right like cameron's like the most senior year kind of movie yeah. ever right because you it is that impending end right that they're they're seniors so they kind of don't care even though the dean's like aha i can make you not graduate which is dumb but uh but he has to say that because he's the dean and it's his job mm-hmm. but you know they're they're gonna leave and they're gonna go off to college and there's the you know none of them are probably going to be able to spend any time substantial time together like soon it's gonna happen soon that this is the end and it's all just kind of hovering uh, over this and it you know it's just that is a definite very specific time of life life moves pretty fast if you don't stop and look <laughs> around once in a while you might yep. miss it this is so funny mm-hmm. coming from like a teenager right like right. it's one of the great things that whenever he breaks the fourth wall which is a lot in this movie yes. ferris played by matthew broderick who is just so unbelievably cool in this movie uh-huh. right yep. like the coolest kid in any movie right like i can't think of a cooler yeah. kid Right, like, just plays it so well. He's so cool, um, but like the he he speaks with like such experience in his life, which is just so brilliant and so funny. Like, I I love it. Like, and there are so many elements of this throughout. But like, even when he is talking later on about like the fact that you know he knows that we're gonna we're gonna move away from each other, and then he's talking about Sloane, played by Mia Sara, and it's yep. like. I'm gonna marry her, <laughs> but we're gonna be. A, she's she's a she's got one more year of high school. What are we gonna do? It's just like all these things are just so funny to me. Like, because in his world, he you know this is everything that he knows, right? And he's the oldest he's been, and he's had all this experience, so he's got it all figured out, right, Ferris? And it's just so lovely, like that. It's just that feeling of being that age when ever you you're still a kid, but adult things are happening to you and people are starting to treat you more like an adult and you feel like you've grown up way faster than you actually have or then or you feel like you're way more grown up than you really are because these things start happening to you and you just think you got it all figured out it's great and i there are so many wonderful moments in this movie um you know like there are so many iconic moments right like beulah beulah Mm -hmm. beulah 
right? Ben Stein, who who apparently I knew that Ben Stein's background was in economics, and so when he's talking about the Laffer curve and mm-hmm. voodoo economics and all of that, apparently originally he was going to be an off screen like a Charlie Brown kind of adult, right. where you'd hear his voice off screen but not see him. But they thought he was hilarious, and they he that whole boring th- economics thing, which I love because I love all the reaction shots of the kids sitting in the desks. He that's all just him. He he wrote that himself. Uh, just listing off economic uh, th- things to do a boring economic That's lecture, so and it's it's so it's so good because you know all the students just don't. Everybody else is out there. Our friends are out there outside in the sun having a good time, and they are having their souls sucked out of their and bodies. And he does that great teacher amazing. thing of he'll like say a thing and then finish a sentence, be like anybody, and no one says anything, and he just carries on it every single yeah. time, right? And we call this anybody the love curve, right? It's like the whole, like, yep. it's so, Anyone? it's presented so well, and it goes on so much longer than it should, which makes it better. Oh, God. Um, yep. I, I love everything about Sloan being broken out of school, right? Oh, my God. Everything yeah. about that, like, 10 minutes is excellent, right? Starting with the phone call, Right when when uh, Rooney the dean is like losing his mind at who he thinks is Ferris on the phone, and then Ferris calls on the other line, right? But it's actually Cameron pretending to be Mister Peterson, right? Sloan's Which father. we didn't know that we didn't know that Cameron was finally all in on the plan. Exactly. But now here he here he is, and he's all in on the plan. But then he makes the mistake of saying that we'll pick her up, mm-hmm. and so how are we going to do that? So then they have to get the car and. And, so there's two uh, parts about the, the Sloan breaking out part like of her. One is as soon as the nurse comes in the room, she starts putting on her jacket because she knows that yep. Ferris is, must be doing something. And then the next yeah. part when, because then uh, Ferris has to, like so they steal the car, right? So it looks like he's an adult and he dresses up as a, I don't know, like a private eye or something. <laughs> yeah, right? he's, he's basically Inspector Gadget or yeah. something at that point. Yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah. I wanted to talk about the I, thing that struck me this time. Before, just one one oh, yeah. last part about just about that one part. Just a very sure. throwaway line where Sloan goes, I guess that's my dad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, that was yeah. just oh, this, so it's that yeah. so it's that kind of family. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, so good. So good. The thing that I noticed this time that I really appreciated is Ferris cult the Ferris cult. Yes. Yes. And it's so good because they show it in a limited number of scenes, but one of the genius things that Ferris Bueller does is is he it's not just that he's cool because yeah, he's kind of cool, but he has created this cult of popularity yep. about himself and he's done it he's manipulated the school into believing he is a cult figure. So everybody knows him or knows of him. Everybody knows about him. And there's that amazing scene where he calls the payphone and he's basically talking to freshmen. And then he talks to the girl and he's just trying to get these stories seated so that later we keep seeing more stories coming back about, Oh, I heard Ferris did this. I heard Ferris did that. We're pulling for you. Um, it all it it culminates in just laugh out loud moments where there's save Ferris outside Wrigley Field on the yep. billboard. There's a save Ferris on a water tower. It's so amazing, and and the uh, we're all thinking and of how you. everybody mentions it. The flowers. Oh yes, we're we're really pulling for your son. We hope he yep. gets better. And they're like, what? Oh, I guess he's sick. So and they just move on. It is so amazing, and it's all 
it's all him. It's all he wants to have this out there because he knows that if he seeds disinformation, basically propaganda, that it helps him uh, because his enemy, the Dean, is going to be more confused. And he doesn't know exactly how it's going to go, but that doesn't really matter. He just needs to churn the water a little bit and make it all a little confusing. And he becomes, I mean, it's very modern. It's very 21st century. In fact, I said, after we watched it, I said, you know, it would be hashtag save Ferris now, yeah, oh right? Oh my gosh, yes. And, and, and But it is it is brilliant, and I love it. So that's that's actually the, my favorite thing this time, is just how perfectly he uh, he creates his own image yep. of yep. Ferris Bueller, uh, and then he can use that to his advantage. It's uh, spectacular. Yeah. And that is a part of this movie that gets better on rewatching because that a lot of them, especially the one on Wrigley Field, you miss that if you're not like you can very easily miss oh, yeah. the safe so quick. outside yeah. and it's and you've and you've just seen the most amazing scene maybe my favorite scene in the whole movie which is where the dean looks away at the moment that ferris catches the foul ball yep. and ferris and cameron are on the tv in mm-hmm. uh in in the the sandwich place or wherever it is and sloan and and they're right there it's like proof this is cuz this is i don't know if you you have the equivalent of this because most soccer matches, football matches in the UK, which is the most popular sport there, like are on the weekend or in the evening. But like day baseball games, it is a thing about like, I hope I don't get spotted. You call in sick uh. to work or school and you go to the baseball game in the day. And then there's this like urban legend of, but then they were on the TV or they were on the big screen and their boss saw them and then they were in trouble. And so it's that is what's happening here, except that the Dean just doesn't look and which he looks is so back at the good. TV. It, it's so amazing. It seems the like the obvious it. part where he's. Oh, about oh to God. get found out right he's like ferris Bueller, and he nope he just slides that one by it's amazing so i love i love that and too. one That's of my favorite parts is at the end of the movie all of the flowers in the hallway which they, oh. they you barely see because you're at the end of the hallway and you just see it in the right. distance but that's all of the flower arrangements that have been delivered because ferris is dying <laughs> like he needs a new think, kidney yeah. or something yeah <laughs> Another one, one thing I am always surprised about every time I watch this movie is that Jennifer Grey is in this movie. I always forget yep. that Jennifer Grey is in this movie. I know Ferris has a sister, and but I never remember that it's that it's baby, right, from Dirty Dancing. Sure. And one of my favorite things about this movie is the fact that Jeannie, who she plays, is never in class. Jeannie is so mad that Ferris skipped school. But uh-huh. every clip of her, she's never in class. She's in the hallway <laughs> at the school. She's going to complain to another teacher. She's driving past the gym class, complaining about the fact that Ferris isn't there, even though she's not oh, yeah. at school. Um, it's so good. And like the whole dynamic between her and Ferris is so great because like she is so wronged, right? Because Ferris yeah. is like the, clearly as Ferris is the favorite child, right? because they think he can do no wrong. And like there's yep. a moment at the end where like because Jeannie uh she got arrested, right? Because she called Ar- arrested for, the- for making a false police report about the dean breaking into yes. their house which was which not he false. did. Yes. And he left his wallet on the floor, and yet she doesn't point that out mm-hmm. to the cops, I guess. But the whole idea here is that Ferris can do no wrong, and she can do no right. But then there's that moment, right, where like she's then messed up the mom's uh, deal, and then outside, it's like, what are we going to do yeah. with Jeannie? And the dad's like, we're going to shoot her, I guess. 
<laughs> just like the most ridiculous thing, which he obviously doesn't uh, mean, but it's the idea no. of like she's the problem child. She, she right? is the problem. Yeah, she is disfavored, and and everybody loves Ferris. But like her, the anger that she has is so yeah. funny, right? And yet she doesn't. She, in, in the end, she doesn't uh, rat him out. She actually she she helps. Which him is so succeed. nice, right? Because it's like even yeah. though she she hates him, it's that brother sister hate. It's not the real yep. hate. Um, exactly. Uh, it, it, her role in this movie is so good. It, she plays it so well. And then the whole thing with Charlie Sheen is just fantastic, right? That he's mm-hmm. like the bad boy in the police station. Yep. But the best part of this movie, my favorite part of this movie is the parade. <sighs> okay. First off, why is the German parade happening on a weekday? Who could know? <laughs> Are there no good? Are there no good weekends? Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a real Chicago thing. I don't know, but I think it's weird that the German American parade is being forced to happen on a weekday. Like, do, do they not get a a a weekend for that? Um, but yes, it is. It is great because they uh, where's Ferris? They lose track of him. Oh, he's up there. He sings. Uh, he sings uh, which he does throughout the movie. That that song appears, mm-hmm. and then uh, Twist and Shout, of that course, Twist the, and Shout, famous scene. German. Anthem, Twist and Shout. one of my favorite scenes in all movies because it looked like it must have been so fun to make. Like, Matthew Broderick in that moment must have felt like the king of the world because- All those extras. All those extras. parade. They're losing their mind. It's like an unnecessary great choreographed dance scene, right, that's happening. But like when they finishes the song and everyone just starts screaming and cheering, you can see like he's a little flush because it must have just been this absolute rush to be in that moment. Like it is a fantastic scene, but, and it must have just been so good to make. Like the amount of extras, like I can't, yeah. Even think of a movie where I've seen like that many people in a scene before. And it's such a small space. Like it's really just so good. Mm-hmm. Something that's super weird that I wanted to to ask you about. So the garage attendants take the Ferrari out for a joyride, right? Yes. Why does the Star Wars music play when they jump in the they jump in the I know, the it's, car? Fun. It, but it's, it's fun. But it's fun. It's adventurous. One, how did they get it? And two I don't even know if it's the right piece of music. Like, um, the Space Odyssey theme would have made more sense to me mm. in that moment. It just felt super, like, why is the Star Wars music playing right now? It's very peculiar yeah, it to me. A, it is a surprising choice. Yeah, it's like, it's a great piece of music, but, like, I don't know if it's the one that I would have picked. Like, it was just, like, a very strange, very strange choice. Um, but, yeah, obviously, and then this movie ends in the great fence-hopping scene, right? Wait, he's racing. Yes, which I got I got to explain to Julian that this is the scene that's being referenced in Spider Man Homecoming. Spider Man, Simpsons do it, Family Guy does it. Like this is just if you've never seen Ferris Bueller, you've seen this scene before. Like it is one of the parodied scenes, the great parodied scenes. Yeah, I love this movie. I, I wanted to I wanted to shout out the dean, uh, yeah. Edward R. Rooney, yeah. who always Jeffrey Jones uh, always has his middle name, Edward R. Rooney. Um, I love I love him as a villain. He is a classic '80s movie villain. Yes, he's less. He's awful, but he's kind of less offensively awful than something like a William Atherton villain, yep. like in Real Genius and Die Hard. I think mostly because he's so inept. 
Um, also, I, I want to do a, a shout out to Edie McClurg as Grace, his secretary, oh gosh, who has so like good. eight pencils in her in her hair. Yep. And she's she like sniffing, removing pencils like white out or something. The, the white out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but Jeffrey Jones, like he is, I think, a large portion of my delight of this movie is seeing him get thwarted at every turn and knowing that he even when he gets the goods on Ferris, he, he can't do it like it's always it's always ruined and the you know he ends up riding on the school bus with one shoe and his thing torn and all of that like at the end and it sits in the next to last row and like it, it just i love i love that performance it gives the movie some drive because they have you know it can't all be just lying about who they are the sausage king uh at the at the dinner or at the lunch right they, they they can't it can't all be that they need to have some sort of like pursuit happening, um, but it's a ludicrous pursuit, right? It doesn't it, the 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 stakes like you said the stakes are pretty low. I mean theoretically, Ferris could get thrown out of school or have to repeat his senior year or something like that, but you know really, it's not going to happen, right? But but it's good to have him there as this kind of cartoonish villain to continue to just be thwarted. It very much is a cartoon villain, right? Like you 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 delight like in Home Alone, you delight in him just constantly being destroyed. And I love just how hard he's trying. Like oh, it is completely way more than he should to break he, he into the house. He leaves on personal business because he's got a vendetta against Ferris Bueller, yep. and he just he has to get fair get that i gotta get that guy right like it doesn't have it's not logical in any way especially the the breaking into the house what is he expecting to achieve by breaking into the house he's gonna go up to bueller's room and prove that he's not in sick in bed to who i I don't i don't know (laughs) to himself (laughs) but then what is he gonna do with that information right like it's you know he clearly knows he's villain he knows that like ferris has everyone for him, right? No one's against him. Well, the, it's so the, good. the way I read it is that, and I think there's a fine line you have to walk with this character, is he's gone around the bend on this one. Like, he has left reality behind. He has He's going to pursue this vendetta, even if he has to commit crimes, yes. he's going to pursue this. He's completely lost it. And yet, at the same time, you don't want it to be, like, too far that direction, because then it, I think it would get it would get weird. So it needs to be realistic-ish, um, while also showing him having like he's obsessed with Ferris Bueller at this point. I think that's a good that that's the good line to walk because that makes it kind of a cat and mouse game, but it also makes it kind of fun to watch him because we know that he's completely lost it mm-hmm. um, in the, in this moment as he watches the number of unexcused absences on the computer screen. Uh, just go down from nine to you know seven to four to two. Wonderful movie. It's a lot of fun. It's a great. It's fun. just a shot of uh, of delight. Yep. And I can say, as somebody who lived through the eighties, did it look like that? Oh yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. That that uh, Jennifer Grey and Mia Sarah, um, and right down like the girl in the arcade or the pizza place mm-hmm. or whatever it is who turns around who looks like Ferris from the back, like. Oh my God, that's that is what people look like and what people the stuff people wore and the mom's uh, blonde hair with the dark roots and all that. It's like yes, that is what people look like in the eighties. It is so perfectly capturing the eighties. So, I would yeah. love to see a modern day Ferris Bueller. I don't know if it could be done well enough, but I, I would love to see someone try with like Tom Holland. I feel like Tom Holland would do such a good job as Ferris Bueller. They would never. 
it, they would it would never be better. And there was a TV show, by the way. Was there? Hmm. Yeah, in 1990, there was a TV show. Hmm. But um, I I I mean, do they need to make another Ferris Bueller? I don't know. I would no. love to see somebody try to make a movie that that felt like this, though. Mm, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what I would like to see. Is it doesn't you don't need to call a Ferris Bueller's Day off. I mean, you could if you wanted to, but like, I would love to see a movie that feels like this in terms of just being kind of like sunny and fun and about kind of rebelling, but in a kind of positive, fun way and having low stakes and having a sort of silly uh, opponent who doesn't really threaten you. That That's a, like, make more movies like this. Wow. G- Jennifer Aniston played Genie in the TV series. Wow, oh, yeah. I'd never heard of this before. That's wild. Yeah, it, it it was not successful. They did they they got their first thirteen episode order and then they were out. Wow. And most of it got burned off, or no, I guess some of it got burned off in the summer. One episode of it. So yeah, yeah, yep, yep. So they did that. That was a bad idea. That's hilarious. And I and I don't think, I don't think Ferris Bueller as a series works right. Because, I mean, I could see it maybe as like a Netflix series or something, but as a sitcom, I can't see it because it's his same his same shtick every time. I would think, yeah. And you lose the magic of the well, movie because eventually you'd have to have something bad happen to him, which would undo the good feeling. So here's yeah, here's my pitch. Here's my pitch for my Netflix series All of right. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay, which is, um, you know, Money Heist. I'm familiar with. It. Have you seen that? It's like a it's like a uh, bank robbery that happens. Uh, over a bunch of episodes and it's like a whole like heist over a whole many seasons in a continuing story. It's like, I want to do that for Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I want it to be, we can do a season, maybe two seasons, but it's all just this one Ferris Bueller Day Off. Okay. And every episode is another, you know, there's the episode where we get Cameron- but for Ferris Bueller. Yes. Yeah, well, that, I mean, because that's... Money Heist is basically like 24 for a bank robbery, right? right? So, yes, that's that's my pitch, is I don't want to leave the day. Maybe it goes into, like, the weekend or something at the end, but I don't want to leave the day. I want it to be that day. And I want it to be, like, let's detail in, and we can have characters cross each other, so there can be other shenanigans happening. You know, we'll have Cameron is doing something over here, and Ferris is doing something over here, Mm. and Sloane is doing something over here, and the sister is doing something here. And they're all going to be, like, crossing each other, and you're going to have those moments like you have in the movie, where it's like, wait, is that? And then you look again, it's like, no, no, that wasn't Ferris. Of course it wasn't. And... And you do one episode that's just in the high school and it's all about what people know about Ferris that they don't know. Like, that's how I would pitch it if it was like a, a Ferris Bueller TV series. But don't make it because it's the movie is great and you're never going to surpass it. But well, that would be my pitch. Don't make it unless you call Jason. If you call Jason. Yeah, call me. Call me and, and my good friend, Matthew Broderick. Yeah. And we will uh, work out something. Wait, you want Matthew Broderick to play Ferris Bueller? <laughs> no, no, he's gonna be no, he's gonna be the uh, he's gonna be he uh, a cameo. He played that. Uh, he might be the dad. That would work. Sure, that'd be fun. He might be the dad, but something like that. Yeah, 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Upgrade. Next week's episode 300. Don't forget, send in your meta Ask Upgrade questions. Uh, you can send them out with a tweet with the hashtag Ask Upgrade or question mark Ask Upgrade in the Relay FM Discord. Uh, if you want to find the show notes for this week's episode, you can find them in your podcast app of choice or on the web at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 299. Thanks again to our wonderful sponsors for their support of this show. That is uh, Uni Pizza Ovens, Linode, Pingdom, and Fully. If you want to find Jason online, go to sixcolors.com, and he's also at Jason L, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snow. Goodbye, Mike Hurley. Say Ferris. <laughs>